This is the second episode of three that Whoop Center Maryland is bringing to you featuring Port Covington's progress. You can see it along Route 95 as you come through the region or if uh, you're in town, you can see the cranes rising up above. So much progress going on. We are joined by Mark Weller, Mark Brody of Weller Development and Michael Middleton of Cherry Hill and the SB7. Weller, you, you said something interesting on some great uh, WBAL uh, coverage recently, WBAL radio, where you talked about extending the life of the tourist stay in Baltimore. And it was just, I thought it was great to hear not only focus and attention on that issue, because that's always been sort of a strong suit is the day travel just thought you brought a really interesting point of view that really opened my mind to thinking about Port Covington in a new way. Don't you also think that that uh, sub- the suburban crowd that has always been really critical to Baltimore's sort of dining scene, don't you feel like uh, you give them another sort of toe, another look into the town that that might give them sort of the post-pandemic confidence they need to to, to dig in deep, deep, even deeper into uh, downtown. I mean, don't you see, you, you, don't you all see yourselves as a, as a window? I mean, I think of that beautiful window that you have at the Pendry, which I think is the most beautiful framed window in Baltimore. And you see these Fells Point multicolored, uh, you know, 1800, 1780 structures. Uh, I feel like Port Covington presents that same window into Baltimore. Love to hear your thoughts on that, Mark and Mark and Michael. Well, I'll, st- I'll start um, and, and I'll go quick. But yeah, I think you're 100% correct. I think that giving folks, whether it's from the county, another state, a, a, another reason to come here. And, and quite frankly, the pandemic, yes, it is really necessary to get people down to the city back to the city post-pandemic, but it was just the same before the pandemic, quite frankly. We were trying to create more reasons. And what we saw in Port Covington, just with the opening of Rye Street Tavern, uh, the opening and, and sort of the investment in, in Nick's Seafood, was we saw a really uh, diverse and, and really substantial crowd and, and substantial numbers of people that were coming to Port Covington because of its proximity to the highway uh, its proximity to the neighborhoods, uh, and uh, and we were we were really we were really thrilled about that. But I think overall, overall, I think the more that you offer in the city, the more the, the growth will continue, and the more the positive stories will will continue to go out. So so we're, we we feel really good that this is going to be additive. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, it, my role is all about the community, and you know, Mark told me from before I even accepted the job, he said, you know, we got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And so, you know, my focus is making sure that we keep our commitments uh, to local hiring, to minority and women contracting, uh, you know, affordable housing, you know, work with the schools and the principals to help where we can with the education issues uh, in South Baltimore, the nine or so schools. Uh, but, you know, as far as placemaking and, and, and having it be a beautiful place to come, it, it's going to be that. And growing up in Baltimore my whole life, I know people, we love a new spot, right? We love like a new place to go. And so as soon as it, as soon as we open up and deliver these buildings and there's, there's, there's more places to come and spend time, it's, it's, it's accessible. It's right off of 95. It's visible. 
uh, I, I think it'll be great. But, you know, as we always say, if the community isn't lifted up around them and doesn't feel, you know, included and able to come visit and, 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 and you know, feeling like they're part of us. When I say they, I mean, you know, Cherry Hill, Curtis Bay, Mount Winans, Lakeland, you know, Westport, Brooklyn, uh, you know, then, then, then we would not have been uh, as successful as we would like to be. So uh, that, that's, that's really where, where my focus is. But it's going to be an amazing place to come visit. I can't wait to, you know, come swim at the pool or get some sushi or whatever. Michael, it sounds like a front door for Cherry Hill becoming the front door of Baltimore. Well, absolutely. Uh, And I don't have a problem with that, uh, Damien. But I think it goes a lot further than just Cherry Hill. I really believe as well that, you know, Port Covington has been like the motivating factor behind looking at things like now the redevelopment of the entire middle branch. You know, the renderings has been uh, um, submitted in relationship to Port Covington, Souza's great parkway, great walkways that will be there at Port Covington. But beyond this now, we've gone to um, looking at the redevelopment of Middle Branch itself, which we're looking at as 11 and a half miles around the entire Middle Branch itself, which not only incorporates the communities, the six communities as part of Port Covington development, but all the way around to, you know, Riverview, aside over, you know, dealing with the casino area, uh, even looking at pathways that will take us from uh, Anne Arundel County straight on up to West Baltimore. Uh, this is a uh, an action uh, that uh, and solely, I think, because of what is going on with Port Covington and seeing beyond Port Covington and what it can do for overall for Baltimore City. Uh, and this is something I think that would be great in relationship with this. Uh, as a, um, my primary uh, job of working into Cherry Hill, it obviously benefits the community historically. It's had, you know, no investment or disinvestment. Uh, this is a window of opportunity that's rarely seen. And as I said before, they did not think it's something that we have to take advantage of. Well, it seems to be like an intersection of where a, last, a lot of past wrongs in the industries of real estate and banking have seen a complete reversal where, you know, you got, you know, Baltimore is uh, we're the last people to talk highly of ourselves, I always think. But uh, I just got to pat you all on the back to be able to leverage, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars from uh, a global bank like Goldman Sachs. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of rigor and scrutiny on that side and the, the, the public finance side. So just just being able to pull all that together takes an enormous amount of teamwork uh, that's why Mark wanted to bring you all on here together. Mark, let, love to hear your thoughts on that, just as, as somebody who's a Baltimore native and love to see this comeback story, to see you know, a major financial partner like that is, is, is a whole another level of, of play here, not just in Baltimore, I think, but through that whole 95 corridor. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, groups like Goldman Sachs, Urban Investment Group, they don't make mistakes, right? They don't they don't get where they are by making mistakes in investments. And so for them to make one of their largest investments, if not the largest uh, nationwide here in Baltimore City, that's something to be proud of. That's something to be very excited about. Uh, that, that's something that shows us, uh, you know, the future of the city. I mean, we look back 20 years from now, you know, it could very well be one of the sparks that helped, uh, you know, Re, reimagine Baltimore City and, and create a better place for everybody. And so that's super exciting, um, just as a, as a city resident, for sure. Well, not only, Danny, uh, do we have uh, <clears throat> the work from Port Covington that brings in uh, Goldman Sachs, 
Uh, but also, as a result of this operation, J.P. Morgan was brought in. Uh, you know, Weller Development and Mark Brody and them worked uh, not only because of Goldman Sachs and relationship to being an equity partner, but actually went out, uh, solicited to have J.P. Morgan, who now has opened uh, the uh, J.P. Morgan Bank or Chase Bank in Cherry Hill, which had never had a wow. bank in 75 years. Awesome. Uh, we had a celebration, an opportunity to celebrate this bank being brought in. And I remember when uh, Mark uh, <clears throat> uh, Weller had called me that the vice president of J.P. Morgan was coming in, and we gave him a tour of Cherry Hill, and I think he was ready to bring a bank within like three months of that conversation or so, and have done so. Uh, in a shopping center to a community that's never had any type of bank or financial institution in a 75-year history. That's the type of thing that's going on as a result of this development, even before Port Covington gets built. Uh, and part of the work uh, that's done in partnership with, with Weller. Michael, thanks for fleshing that out. It, you know, well, sometimes we get, we, we've been following these stories for, you know, you've been following it for a long time. I've been following it for a couple of years. We get kind of mired in the, in the details and, and you just, you, you brought it home for me. So thank you, Mark. I'll, uh, well, or talk to me about uh, if I'm coming by on 95 uh, I've, I've seen the Sagamore rye experience, which is amazing. Great for corporate events, by the way, uh, the, the, the restaurant experience down there, there's amazing views. Talk to me about how this project is going to, uh, go from that rendering and now it's reality. Just now we've seen huge infrastructure going in like six foot stormwater. That's a benefit to everybody to six foot stormwater experience to benefit uh, everybody's water quality. Yeah. There's just a lot going on. I'd love to hear your thoughts about what the Marylander or the commuter or the Baltimore neighbor can start to, to vision out happening there on that site over the next you know, five, 10 years. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, the other day I was asked this question. I said, it doesn't look like much is going on out there. I mean, when, when are we going to see what it's going to look like? And I said, well, I guess it depends on what angle you're looking at it from. Right. Because the reality is if you're at ground level, there's, there's buildings that are 20, 30 feet in the air now. You know, we're on the sec going on the second story on a bunch well, of buildings. Well, yeah, we talk, Mark, we talk about infrastructure and you see, you know, you see the conversations in the Washington Post about it on Capitol Hill, but like I see the infrastructure going right. into the, and I see the people working on it. So it's, to me, it looks yeah. like it's humming. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, so now you can really see it from almost any angle. You can see big stuff going up. There's a lot of stuff that went in the ground as well. But I think most importantly, what people are going to see from the highway and, and, and the image that people are going to have is that there are there are exciting new things happening in Baltimore. And it'll be obvious to the 46 million cars that drive by every day. Uh, or sorry, that drive by every year. Um, uh, they'll be able to see that and understand that. And I think, um, you know, it, this is not meant to be something that's out of place or doesn't look like it belongs. As a matter of fact, much of the first part of the project is very human scale is, is the term we like to use, which is it's, it's lower buildings, smaller buildings. We're preserving views to the rear. So you build bigger buildings in the back, but we're also trying to make sure it's a really comfortable place trying to match up with other, a lot of other great neighborhoods in Baltimore that are very, very much in that scale and, and very comfortable to walk around. Don't feel like they're overwhelming or, 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 or pushing down on you. And I think that, I think at the um, at, at the end of the day, I think the number one thing that I'd say is you're going to see something new and exciting um, and large that's being built uh, right right uh, right there in your hometown. 
uh, you're already starting to get that feeling with the four or five cranes up. Um, I think another part of this too is just the, you know, the fact that we're able to have so much public and open space uh, for the community to use uh, as far as parks and, uh, um, and, and other, uh, other, other areas for the community to use. Uh, so Port Covington is really meant to be for everybody. So we're, we're, we're excited about what it's going to feel like, what it's going to look like, and, and especially what the first, uh, first series of buildings are going to be. Well, I know from my point of view, I have uh, been through the area. I've had a few key events sort of throughout my uh, political experience in Baltimore in the area. But, I, you know, I never saw like a festival or a party. And I saw you had Chip Watkins had this whole thing where he had multi-generational people down there. You had young people uh, just in and in activated a whole part of the city and a whole part of uh, – really a historic waterfront that has not had too many eyes on it. Like it's starting to get right now. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, the way, the way I would envision this too is it's a place where residents, workers and visitors can all be proud of uh, and really use it. There's lots of great public spaces and there'll be activations day and night. I mean, constantly stuff going on. Um, And I think it's just going to, again, be additive to the overall, um, image of Baltimore and the overall uh, uh, the use for all the citizens who currently live there now. I think it's going to be a destination. And how would you describe your roles, Mark and Mark, as a as a master plan developer? You, you view yourselves as uh, trying to give a platform to the existing community uh, resources and then activate it with some new energy. Just how do you see your role? Uh, as a, as a community redeveloper, master plan redeveloper? Well, from my perspective, uh, you know, uh, from a development perspective, the excitement that I have, and one of the things that uh, is most, uh, I think I'm most passionate about is being able to work with the community to see their vision through. Cherry Hill is a great example. All the communities that surround Cherry Hill, whether it's Westport, Mount Wyanins, any of them. Um, I love the idea that we can provide technical assistance to them and also some kind of ability to execute uh, so in some cases, uh, cash as well, uh, for these communities, because I think that, um, the, the vision in the communities is so, um, is so real and so developed, uh, for what their communities can be. They don't need to hear from me on what their community should be or can be. They just need a little help on how to get it from A to B. So my job is just to listen right. and then fill in the gaps on the expertise and experience that our teams have. And sometimes it's not even the Weller team. I'm reaching out beyond the Weller team to experts in engineering or experts in, in, the, in a specific type of affordable housing or whatever it is. But that's that's very rewarding for us. And uh, that's how we see ourselves as stewards of uh, of just information that we can bring over to these various communities. And we're already starting to see it, uh, starting to see it help. This is not something that's going to happen overnight. These, as you know, projects like this take years and this work that we're doing in the community with groups like, uh, you know, Westport and Cherry Hill and so on They're they're all the, uh, it's all the same, um, same timeframe, but we're starting to see real results um, starting to come out of the other end now. So it's, it's very exciting. Mark Brody could fill in fill in on that as well. I think uh, I think that he's his experience is even even closer to 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 what's happening. So he could add a whole another uh, whole another set of um, whole another set of ideas. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think when I think of what we're adding and, and what we're bringing to the table, I, I think about what we're not doing. Right, what we're not doing is taking away. Right, we're not taking. You know, you hear all the time about a lot of developments around the country where. You know, suddenly there's a Starbucks and, you know, there's the community that once lived there no longer can 
can be there and you're displacing and knocking down, we're, we're building, you know, we're creating affordable housing where there was none. I don't have the exact numbers, but I mean, there's going to end up being, you know, 20% of our, of our residential units are going to be affordable. And I mean, you know, you're talking hundreds of units um, and that's important, you know, that that's, that's adding to, to something that was not already there. Um, and, you know, on, on top of that, we're going to be utilizing uh, waterfront space uh, that wasn't already being utilized. I mean, you, know, you don't, you don't go down to that part of Baltimore because there's really nothing there on the water. It's just kind of an industrial spot. Um, and now all of that area is going to be able to be used for free uh, by the public. They can go there, walk their dogs, spend time, take their children, fish, whatever. It's going to open up a whole new world and a whole new part of, of, of the area for people. So I just think of us as being additive and not taking away. And that's important. Yeah, and I think uh, you said something important, Damien, that I've forgotten all about. And that that's just, as we're going through this development stage, uh, we're being exposed as a community for some of the very positive types of things. You know, in 2019, we had started a process of using Middle Branch Park, which I, we claim is Cherry Hills, part of the Middle Branch, but Middle Branch Park. We're working in conjunction at the same time uh, with Port Covington. We had, for the 4th of July, over 6,000 people. Um, here in this area that was celebrating at the same time across the waterway, we had, uh, you know, at the uh, garage, at City Garage, an event taking place. And that was at the same time while fireworks were there. We had our own types of fireworks that were done and the expectation that this would be an annual event. But who knew that COVID would interrupt this sort of thing? Uh, but it just started to show, I think, where communities have also just started to come together in a festive atmosphere. Here, which had not existed here in the South Baltimore community before, but hopefully next July we'll be able to get back on track. But that's an example of, as we're going through this development process, how new spaces and places are being developed uh, for opportunities that had not existed in communities. So we start looking at communities differently as well. And all of this is part of what Mark had said earlier as well, as providing with us the technical assistance uh, that uh, Weller brings to us. Us, not only in relationship to the financial aspects of what we get from the community benefits agreement, but using their technical expertise to assist us in deciding where we go and how we go as communities uh, surrounding Port Covington development. Thanks for joining us on the second of three podcast episodes featuring Port Covington, a bright new project and bright new star coming out of Baltimore's horizon. We're talking to Mark Weller and Mark Brody at Weller Development, as well as Michael Middleton from the SB7. 